0: welcome to the Sally Allen Podcast. I am so glad today that you're here listening and watching. Thank you. Uh, today, I have a guest, her name is Brielle Decker. And as you know, this podcast is a place where people share their stories of resilience. And as my intro was playing, I looked at some of the words and, and I paid attention this time. I want uh, two of them were confidence and um, the other one was courage. And Brielle Decker is just the, the, the spitting image of confidence and courage. And I'm so excited for her to share her story with us today. A little bit about her. Brielle Decker was the 65th wife of Warren Jeffs uh, in a polygamous uh, relationship. She is now, she's been redeemed and restored. And she is the, let's see, she works at Short Creek and she is the resident aide and peer support peer support specialist. I wanted to say that right. So Brielle, welcome to the Sally Allen podcast. I am so glad that you are here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm grateful to be here too. Yes. And we have some exciting things to talk about because she just released um, on uh, Discovery Plus, her show, uh, Prisoner of the Prophet, was released. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we go into that, Briel, you want to start sharing your story with us?
1: Sure. Um, So my story um, starts, like, I was born and raised in the FLDS. Um, My parents were an arranged marriage from the previous leader um so they're walking through like they were at church and the leader came and talked to them and told them there was going to be a wedding and it was their wedding and they could say yes or no at the ceremony which um they didn't know each other so they didn't know if they should say yes or no so it became a matter of trust in their leaders Mm. um So then, I I was after the marriage. They just said yes because they trusted their leaders, and about like years later, I was born as their eleventh child. I I grew up in the FLDS. I was very indoctrinated. Um, I went to Alta Academy, which is an FL was an FLDS school. Warren Jeffs was the principal. My first grade teacher was Warren Jeffs' first wife. I talk a lot about like how when I was 16, then my family moved down to Short Creek, which is southern Utah, Hilldale, Utah, Colorado City, Arizona. And when we moved, then I went to the Jeffs Academy School, which was in southern Utah homeschool. In the homeschools in the FLDS, they did not have world history. They had only church history. Hmm. And yeah, so I, I had a lot of learning to do.
0: So, Brila, so I, I want to stop you there for a moment. I have a question because you okay. mentioned it. So, there is a reason why you mentioned it. Why didn't they have world history? Only church they history? They didn't
1: have world history. Because they they had their own version of what history meant, so there were specific things like um, they didn't believe that people actually landed on the moon, they didn't believe that dinosaurs ever lived on our planet. Um, there was so they changed their they made up their own history, and they didn't want us to hear a world history because it would include some of those things that they didn't believe. So they just talked about their church leaders and what they were told by the church leaders throughout generations of time. Because the foundation of FLDS is Joseph Smith, who is also the founder of the LDS Church, which is mainstream Mormonism. Um, We had a branch off when polygamy, uh, it was over the topic of polygamy. So I was born into the branch off of the LDS Church.
0: Okay. So another question on that. that is that, if you are not taught world history, then do you guys watch TV?
1: Um, I was able to watch TV till I was like nine years old, and then um, the leader got a new revelation from God, and said there was no longer going to be church. I mean TV in the FLDS.
0: Mm. So what? At what age were you approached? to um with this arrange marriage to warren jeff marriage to warren jeff okay so my
1: marriage came after i moved to short creek to warren jeff's and it was um i was 18 so i just turned 18 i he became the leader right before i, be, I turned 18 so his father was the leader before i turned 18 years old and um Warren Jeffs became the leader right before my birthday like it wasn't right it was a few months before my birthday and then um after my 18th birthday I was married to Warren Jeffs so it was an arranged marriage um Warren Jeffs had ultimate say in every marriage in the FLDS and he he uh I guess he wanted to marry me um and he could have said that that wasn't the case, but that's what he said. And so in my experience, I was terrified of him. He never really asked me if I wanted to marry him. He just basically said, um, God wants you to marry me. Like it was more about like a commandment. It wasn't really like if I wanted to or not. And because he had so much power and so much authority over everybody, I had a lot of pressure behind me. So... Um, I didn't dare say no. Um, I could have said no, but like I would have been like shunned probably from that day on. So I just said yes. And um, it was within two weeks I was sent to Texas. In the first night, he sent me back home to my father's house because I made him mad by hesitating for his
0: marital relationship advances. So I have a question before you move on. (laughs) This is yeah. This is so interesting. What happens when you get shunned? Because I was going to ask, what happens when you say no? So you say no, but what does your life look like after? You know, I'm sure somebody have said no. What would that look like? So they never get married. A lot of
1: times when they say no, that not a guarantee that that wouldn't happen. But most people that are going to marry the leader would not say no because the punishment will be higher cuz he's supposed to be the best. So most likely I would never get married if I turned down the leader. And in my father's house like I I didn't want that to happen to me cuz like the community will look down on you if you never get married um at least in that time frame and my father's family um, dynamic. I didn't want to be in that category, living at my father's house for the rest of my life.
0: Okay, so you felt this was, or did you? Let me ask a question. Did you feel like this was wrong? What he was doing.
1: Um, I did. I did believe in God. Yeah, and I still believe in God. Right, but um, I didn't register at that time that God was not involved in what Warren Jeffs was saying, because that's the God I'd been taught about my entire life. Yeah, I did believe in God. I didn't um, necessarily want to marry Warren Jeffs. I was really terrified of him. I knew a lot about his family. My sister had already gone into his family. So I didn't really want to marry Warren Jeffs. Um, he has a pyramid. The whole um, FLDS structure is a pyramid, Warren Jeffs is at the top. Then he has like structure of like bishops and, you know, the fathers, the mothers, the children. Um. Because of this structure, even in his family, he had favorite wives. Mm. And then he had wives that were just more like concubines. But he didn't call them that. He never called them concubines. But they were definitely not his favorite and not treated as well. I figured I would be one of those wives. That's why I was terrified of marrying him because I I didn't want to go into his family and um, be treated bad just because I didn't have everything it would take to be like on the top. And even if I was on the top, I don't think I would have enjoyed it because I'm the type of person that notices when people are being treated bad. And I don't think I would have really liked to be treating people differently because of status.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so he sent you home to your father uh, you know, yeah. after you got married. Did they after you got married? What happened after then? So when I went to my father's
1: house, um he requested a few things. So he warned us when he talked to my father after he sent me there, he told him that he was running from the law. And he didn't want me going back to school to help teach fourth graders, which is a FLDS homeschool. Because he he was afraid of me being questioned by the law. He didn't want me to um, do anything but stay home and pack up the house because he had my father's family move in that week. And he requested I go to two specific meetings in the morning the first meeting ended up being like a really traumatic meeting where it was a community meeting mostly for the men some families brought their, fa- their wives and kids but he requested I go to this so I did go with my family and he walked down the aisles and he gave out really strong corrections to fathers that had been really prominent men in the community for years had set like a Really high standard had been examples to people. Warren Jeffs passed out these notes saying, you're no longer married to the wife that's sitting next to you.
0: And Wait, wait. wait. Um, yeah. So, wait, um, I want to clarify this. So you're at this meeting. These couples have been married for years. They have children. And all of a sudden, in the meeting, he just verbally divorced all of them. Yeah
1: he told them they were master deceivers he told them that he told the whole audience and this is the day after I married him so for me it was like if I heard about this later I might have not been so mad but for me it was like a really big red flag of like there's no hope that's what he requested I watch was something that would give me no hope the day after I married him so I was pretty like waking up to the fact that He wasn't what my parents described him like. Um, And it was mostly through personal interaction with him. Um, So anyway, I went to the next meeting right after that because we went directly to the next meeting. My father drove me up to the next meeting. The secret meeting is really what made me go into Texas. And I did it for the little children. In the secret meeting... It wasn't a community meeting. He talked about taking away his children from the house that he lived in before he became the leader, which is um, the house that um, the Dream Center's in now. Um, anyway, he, he uh, took his children away, but that wasn't the biggest red flag. The biggest red flag for me, because he didn't want to be questioned by the law. He's running from the law now that he's the leader. He didn't want his little children to be questioned by the law as to where he was. So he took them off the property to another location. Well, the biggest red flag to me was that he added after he said that, that God revealed that not one of the mothers that gave birth to the children at that time were worthy to go with their children. Wow. That meant like 20, 30 mothers lost their children in one day. Now they might be able to qualify later to go and see their children. But in the beginning, none of them were worthy to go. And I thought that was a really big red flag. I was like, God gave those mothers those kids. And, And if you, now that I'm on the outside and I know about the foster care system and how it's set up to reunite, if at all possible, these were mothers that lived and breathed, had been raised to think they were, their whole mission was to be a mother. So they were not mothers that didn't want their kids and he had just removed them because um he said god told her to but i know it was more about him and seeing about their loyalty and things that are not healthy for kids like kids need their mothers if
0: they're good mothers Yeah. yeah So that sprouted you. So so all those red flags. I love it. You're you're indicating where the red flags were because that's usually one of my questions. Um, so now you've seen all these red flags, what prompted you to actually take action? To actually what? What prompted you to take action after you've seen all these red flags? Oh, yeah. It's still scary being with him, right? But something really activated you to take action, to want to run away. It was for the little children. The little children. Okay.
1: The little children. I thought, I'm a mother who doesn't have any kids. I'm a mother who could go and see what's going on with his children. And I feel like I need to. I feel like I need somebody to go put like get eyes on the situation and what's actually happening to those little children. Now that he's moving them to a new location, he is able to take wives that have never had given birth. And I was in that category because I had just married him. So I went to, um, Texas two weeks after this meeting, I stayed at my father's house and helped them move in those two weeks. And then when I did go to Texas, what I witnessed with the children was it was worse than adoption because the children in adoption have the hope of bonding with their person who's taking care of them. Um, um, It doesn't always work, but they still have that hope. Where in this situation, where Warren Jeffs had um, put like mothers over all these kids that never gave birth, he would also rotate them based on if the
0: child did bond with the person taking care of them. They never had hope of bonding. What was his rationale behind that? I understand not bonding, but... What was his rationale behind that? That's really
1: common scenario for pedophiles. They don't want the children to bond
0: because then they might tattle. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So then there was a time when you said, I'm not staying here anymore. I'm done with this. I'm planning my escape, right? When did that happen?
1: So in my story, um, I didn't want to have kids with him when I realized what was going on that was a big factor in why I chose to kind of avoid him there was a secret meeting that he had in Texas that really made me a target like it made me really question him and do anything I could to survive at that point and it was a really bad meeting and it does go into it in the discovery plus um how it happened and doesn't really go into like how I became a target after, but I had, I had to fight him at that point because he was trying to make his all accomplices. And I believe I'm one of the only ones that was successful in not being pulled back into more and more secret meetings of that type. Um, later on um, there was, I witnessed him telling people who confronted him on the topic of, like underage brides and bring him into like the scenario. Um, People who would question him boldly, he would deny them the right to leave Texas. They didn't have exit routes. It was like a compound that was solely created for only FLDS. Had guard towers, people driving around every 15 minutes. Like it was not a place to be boldly confronting him. And in my case, I wanted to do whatever it took to escape. So I didn't boldly confront him. I actually played a game. Like I went and told him like, I need more time to process all this. I don't feel like, you know, I understand it. And, you know, I just basically went at it like more passive aggressive and he did buy into my story. He did allow me to leave Texas. Um, I ended up going to like houses in hiding, which was a middle ground house. Like it's basically, he created the elite compounds in Texas when he ran from the law. So he could have places to hide, or he could take his loyal followers. Um, and then he, when they started to struggle, he would send them to like this middle house, like where they, we were in Short Creek to begin with, and only the people God revealed could go to his elite place partly for protection, partly because he told them they would be worthy if he calls them, which started to separate the families all and break them all up. But anyway, he went to Texas. When you started to struggle, he wouldn't send you back to Short Creek. He would send you to these houses in hiding where you were pretty trapped still and just told you to pray and prepare to go back to the elite group. Cause you weren't supposed to be on the elite group if you were struggling, because it's like supposed to be for elite people that are doing everything that God requires. So to be in a middle ground house, like a house in hiding, um, was a protection because that wasn't typically where Warren Death would want to be. And if he if he ever did go to a house in hiding, then he wouldn't want to do very much stuff there. Like he didn't have as much authority I mean, he had all the say, but he didn't have as much power to he, the people that are unworthy, they're not worthy of him. So if he's like merciful and goes and sees them, he's still not going to interact with them as much as he would. If you were worthy and in an elite compound,
0: how was making sense? Do you think people follow him out of fear or they just want yes. to be in a place where they feel a sense of belonging? It's both, but most of it is fear-based. Sometimes he does create
1: scenarios where they have a cause. Like, you know, my sister's now taking care of my mother. Um, They have like children. He married the children young. They have babies. They don't want to leave because they have dependents. They don't have resources. They don't know how to escape. He does create reasons why people do stay. Okay, And they find a cause in there. Not everybody lives there because they want to. And even if they are living there for a cause, they won't tell you that. Hmm. Okay, because they so, would get punished.
0: Oh, yeah! wow. So, okay, so you left, you, 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 uh, you know, you, you just kind of knew how to work your way out of there by not being aggressive. What happened after that? So I lived in these houses in hiding until Warren
1: Jess was caught by the law because I didn't have an escape exit from the houses in hiding. When Warren Jess went was caught by the law, I was determined to figure out how to escape. I didn't want to be brought into more secret meetings with Warren Jess. so I waited until he was caught by the law. He had told us he was on the most wanted list. I figured he would be caught at some point. When he got caught by the law, then I... Um, started to research my routes out it was pretty tough you'll see that a lot in the the discovery quest documentary um he put the most loyal followers that would do anything he wanted around me and caused it to be really tough to figure out how to escape in the end i did escape out out of a window that i had been locked in solitary confinement in one bedroom so um, i unscrewed the screws that were holding it shut with some scissors Um, I didn't take anything with me because there were people listening in the house and they didn't realize that I had already, um, got like, they told me to lay down and read. They didn't realize I had a screw already out. So when the last screw came out, um, they, uh, they knew that that had happened because I was pounding on it and it broke off, but, um, yeah, they didn't come check on me because they didn't realize that the second one was already out and I didn't open any drawers because at that point if I had opened a drawer they would know I was leaving if I lay down and read then um, that would be what they would want me to do what I did was just climb out the window so they thought that I actually laid down to read because they didn't realize I had a screw already out when I climbed out the window I didn't yeah, like I said, I didn't take anything with me. Didn't open any drawers. I, it took them two hours. Now I know it took them two hours to realize that I had actually left. Huge blessing for me was able to get out of Short Creek to a safer location until I, um, the next morning. You know, they went. The police officers went through the town with a picture of me, asking about me. Eventually, I made it all the way to Tennessee, changed my name my social and was legally adopted for multiple reasons. Main reason was because of my PTSD mental health and needing to have the stability to not wake up in the FLDS ever again. Um, so I was legally adopted so that if I was in the hospital too long with PTSD and there was a default choice to be made, it would be made by my adoptive parents instead of by my biological
0: mother who is still in there. That's smart move. Smart move. So if yeah. Warren Jeffs had such faithful followers, how did the authorities, you know, how did they know what he was doing?
1: The authorities um, raided Texas in like, uh, they called it an attempted rescue. They went into Texas. They found a whole bunch of paperwork on Warren Jeffs. Mm. That's what actually was used against him in court, and he was put in prison for life. They didn't actually have any witnesses at his actual trial because we were still trapped in there. Um, and now I have testified in federal court, like last September, in a case that's been filed for like seven years. So like, it was a really big deal to be like, I have the first one that was overage, been able to talk in court about the situation. And I believe it's because of also my position being able to say that I did escape being brought in multiple times. I wasn't like, they're not going to, I'm not worried about them digging up more evidence on me. You know, I'm, I'm pretty um, grateful that I left after the introduction where um, most people he would use like against them. If they were dragged in multiple times, right. he would actually use that as telling them you're an accomplice. The world doesn't want you. Um, and I do feel like we do need to hear those stories out because some people had little children on the property in Texas. They didn't want to be an accomplice, but they also didn't want to fight him because if they did, then they would lose the opportunity to protect their younger children on the property. And so they never became a target. They would just like slowly work their way out. Um, That hasn't happened a lot, but that has happened.
0: Yeah. I feel like you became a voice for all those women in there who can't speak for themselves when you went in court that day, when you ran away and then you went in court that day, right?
1: Yes. And also the documentary is very, very about education. They really focused on like the layers of trauma. It was very educational. It's not just telling my story, it's actually educating people on how it happened, what happened, and why it happened. You know, like it's a really big deal to know, like, as an activist now. Yeah. I feel like it
0: was important. The details were very important to express.
1: I to love the that. Public.
0: You said it yeah. in passing, but as an activist now, I absolutely. Love that. So how are you feeling being out of there in terms of empowerment? Like, you know, walk me through a little bit of that.
1: Yeah. So when I escaped and changed my paperwork, I did come back to Utah um, because I couldn't pay my rent when they changed my SSI, like my social security number, they didn't change my SSI in the same month. So anyway, it was a miracle that you know I ended up coming back to Utah because um a pilot That was XFLDS walked in my attorney's office and said, if anybody's in crisis, tell them to come home. Our town in the Short Creek is changing. It's mostly XFLDS now. Mm -hmm. Tell them to come back. um, And here's some free tickets to help them get back. So I ended up flying back to Salt Lake. And when I got to Salt Lake, then... I stayed with an XFLDS lady, but in the process of meeting more and more XFLDS people in Salt Lake area, because there's quite a few people out there. There was a uh, asked a lot of questions. I figured out I had rights to Warren Jeff's property in Shortcake through like a different system. Like it's it's the UEP, which is uh, set up by the church in the past, and then eventually it got to where. Um, uh, now that when Warren just ran from the law, the state took over the whole UEP trust and started giving titles back to people who had built the houses or wives of the people who had built the houses. So these were ex people that were running the UEP now because the state took it over and gave it to ex people. They knew I was a wife. I didn't actually get the house through the court system because I wasn't a legal wife. Right. But the UEP members knew that i was once more a wife and honored that and i was able to get a twenty-eight thousand square foot house because i um and turned like i went and found a worldwide organization that is based the main base that helps us is um, phoenix stream center and they do have one in la they have like um like a lot they have 30 in india I, they might have more now but they, it's a worldwide organization and they partnered with us and was able to make a dream center in Short Creek. And now it's called the Short Creek Dream Center. And I work there.
0: Oh, my God. I'm a founder of it. That. But like I, I work at too. Yeah. So, For residential so the house, the house you got, the 28,000 yeah. square foot, you turned it into something good to help other people. You are right. amazing. Yeah. Such yeah. an amazing story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about your show and how people can find it.
1: It's on Discovery Plus, and it's called Prisoner of the Prophet, and it does have a seven-day free trial if you
0: haven't used it yet. So, yeah, subscribe (laughs) and watch it. (laughs) I will when Discovery Plus let me in. They're asking for some kind of pin code on my TV. I'm like, I don't know what this is. But anyways, um, so what's a takeaway for our audience today, Briel?
1: Okay, so... If you want to support helping people escape, helping people in the ripple effects of the trauma, please go to shortcreekdreamcenter.org and donate, or look over the site and figure out other ways to support us, like they have mission crew options, they have adopter room options, and you can also donate in other ways than just money. Just depending on what you want to do, you can also call the phone number and talk to somebody um, but please go to the website, look it over, and um, help us help other people.
0: Thank you and thank so you. much. we <laughs> <Brille, laughs> thank you so much, so much for being on our show today. That was amazing. you. I mean, man, I, I heard your story, but you went a little bit in depth today, and um, there were some shocking parts that I didn't know. So I am so grateful and thankful that you shared with us today. Um, you know, some of the words that comes to my mind, I always say it's never too late to start living resiliently, but you have taken something that's so that has happened to you something so terrible and 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 you rose above it like the you, you know phoenix rising <laughs> from the ashes and and you made it powerful and you made it great and now you're making such an impact in the world so um you know my takeaway is that it matters what you've been through but it matters also what you do with it in the future. So thank you again. I want to thank our listeners. Thank you uh, for listening. Rate, like, review, and we appreciate you and we love you.